0: And now it's time for Madison's Mad Facts, with your host, Madison Standish.
1: Hey everybody, it's Madison. Welcome to another Madison on the Air bonus feature of Madison's Mad Facts, where we look at the way things were in real life back during these old-timey radio shows. This month we featured Ladies Night on Philip Marlowe. Gang, there are some episode spoilers ahead. You are warned. All righty. One key location in our episode is Annie Stringer's Hollywood Health Club. So this got me thinking about the history of exercise, and more specifically, gyms, especially relating to women. Because as with most history, women had a different road to get to where we are today than did the men. With me to discuss women, exercise, and public gyms is the voice of our Annie Stringer herself, Julie Hoverson.
0: Hey Julie, what's up? Hey, Madison, love the show. So much
1: fun. Well, thanks, girl. Okay, let's start with a super brief overview of the precursors to our modern day gyms.
0: So, technically, the first gyms originated in ancient Greece. The word gymnasium actually comes from the Greek word gymnos, which means naked.
1: Yes, we have all heard about the original Olympic Games. I know most people think about things flopping around, but I'd be more like, Dude, there was no sunscreen then. Ouch!
0: The Greeks put a lot of value into the pursuit of physical health, a philosophy even mentioned by Aristotle and Plato. The gyms of ancient Greece not only included exercise, but education for young men as well.
1: But not for
0: women. Nope. In fact, as physical fitness grew and evolved over the centuries, women were left out of the process by design. In the mid-1800s, men's gyms were gaining popularity. The YMCA, for example, was founded in London in 1844. They opened the first indoor gymnasiums in 1869, and a staff member at a Boston YMCA coined the phrase bodybuilding as early as 1881. But women were not only excluded from this rising culture of exercise and fitness, they were actively discouraged against it. Okay, so, why? Women were taught that physical exercise wasn't ladylike. This is the late 1800s. Women, especially in high society, were focused on the appearance of being a perfect lady, and would do everything they could to cultivate that reputation. So, exercising was out. Until... Until... Doctors began to notice that the birth rate among the upper class was dropping, Women were spending too much time being ill, mainly out of boredom, or to get attention, and that illness precluded uh, conjugation. So the doctors invented the fresh air movement and got everyone taking preprandial and postprandial walkies to make digestion work better, but really to get women to stop being sick and have more babies.
1: Ha! Of course, women were encouraged to exercise when suddenly the men weren't getting any.
0: Women were also riding more bikes with the bloomer girls and playing tennis and other sports as we came into the Gibson girl era, and there was always dancing.
1: Okay, I can get behind that. Sexy bloomers.
0: (laughs) But there also were wellness trends. Around the turn of the 20th century, some of the trends for women came closer to exercise as we would recognize it today. The early 1900s emphasized stretching for women, which might be considered a sort of precursor to yoga. There was also the introduction of stationary bikes and rowing machines, simulating popular recreational sports of the era. But the biggest must-have machine by far was the VibroSlim. This was a vibrating belt. The woman would stand with the large strap around her waist, across her lower back, and the vibrating motion of the belt was meant to aid in weight loss. This allowed women to not exert themselves while exercising, thus maintaining their ladylike stature. And before you laugh at how silly these women were back then, you can find similar vibrating weight loss machines on the market today. The only difference is the modern ones are more high-tech.
1: So when did women actually start sweating? Or, I'm sorry, glistening?
0: Not for a while. The Roaring Twenties saw a lot of partying by both men and women, so the next wave of fitness trends didn't start until the 30s. While Charles Atlas was helping men find the 97-pound weakling inside all of them, Joe Bonomo and Jack Lillane were opening up fitness for women as well. Bonomo provided ladies-specific health-related books, such as How to Beautify Your Figure, while Lillane, the fitness legend, opened what is considered the first health club in the U.S. in Oakland, California in 1939. He emphasized lifting weights and rigorous exercise, but was contradicted by many doctors who claimed such activity was physically dangerous. Lillane actually was one of the first to encourage women to participate in weightlifting as well, but with social norms and the naysaying doctors, Lillane's efforts would not catch on with women. By 1950, however, Lillane was on TV, and he stayed there for 34 immensely popular years.
1: Oh, that's awesome. So then, did women exercise at all back then?
0: Apart from a lot of walking. Remember, women didn't drive much yet, and for some, a lot of social dancing. There were some fitness trends of the time that were marketed to women as beauty trends to disguise the stigma of the word exercise. Women sought the glamour of the stars on the silver screen. They would perform simple exercises meant to target areas like the legs, uh, posterior, and stomach to produce the desired curves of the Hollywood starlets. The 30s and 40s was the first time active wear specifically for fitness was created for women. Now, prior to the turn of the century, women would exercise in dresses, corsets, and heels. But now a new market opened up selling leotards, tights, and ballet slipper-like shoes for more freedom of movement while exercising. And if you want to see an example of a women's gym, watch the film The Women from 1939.
1: Nice. So in our episode of Philip Marlowe, which originally aired in 1950, what kind of exercises would women be doing at Annie Stringer's Hollywood Health
0: Club? In this episode, Annie's Health Club is described as a Turkish bath which is a very old institution dating back to the 14th century. Back then, a Turkish bath was about communal bathing in the time before plumbing, a place to relax, be social, and, yes, lose weight. Instead of saunas, most had rooms with dry heat, which helps the skin, muscles, and circulatory system. The character in Philip Marlowe referring to Annie's place as a Turkish bath was basically just using the outdated terminology. Annie's Health Club was more likely similar to that of Jack LaLanne's creation. Annie's Place probably had free weights and pulley-based strengthening and resistance machines. What is interesting is Annie's Club is women only. A Turkish bath, both in the past and present, does separate guests by gender, so it's likely Annie's Place had a dry heat room or a sauna. Plus, much like today, being women only would have put her clients at ease to do these unladylike exercises without the judging or leering eyes of men.
1: So by the 1950s, were women exercising yet?
0: No, not yet. Annie was definitely ahead of the curve, but she'd been a lady wrestler, so chances are she was trained the same as a male wrestler would have been trained. Basically, Annie herself would have valued physical fitness over femininity. But for most women of the time, they wavered in the middle. During World War II, women had been very physically active in the factories for the war effort, but once the men came home, women were expected to return to their gender norms. Women were actually encouraged to feign weakness, like not being able to open a jar of pickles so men could maintain their masculine status. Holy crap. Exactly. But what the 1950s did was give women more time in their day. Modern appliances were marketed to housewives to make their daily chores easier. Washing machines, vacuum cleaners, and electric mixers helped free up their day to include fitness. Once again, as a beauty regimen to keep her womanly curves for her husband. Gag. Calisthenics became the trend of the 50s, but it wouldn't be until 1968 that the term aerobics was first used in a book by a doctor named Kenneth Cooper. He promoted a physical fitness plan for men and women that, for the first time, encouraged and celebrated the idea of sweating while exercising. This started to move women away from feeling stigmatized by society for physical fitness. However, the trends at the time were still mainly focused on body sculpting versus the overall physical and mental health benefits of exercise.
1: So we're looking at the 1970s then?
0: Right. The first big boom came in the form of jogging. Running shoes came on the market and men and women alike took to the roads to jog. Then by the late 1970s, women began flocking to a new trend, jazzercise. With a combination of exercise and dance, gyms everywhere filled classes with women who started to use the trend not only for fitness, but for socializing. And this would lead to the huge athletic clubs of the 1980s. Let's get physical! In the 1980s, they sure did. Health clubs were the place to be and to be seen. But while this was great for young single women, married women, often stay-at-home moms, didn't have the luxury of going out to a gym. And then Jane Fonda created the first at-home workout videos. Now with classes on their own schedule, in the comfort of their own homes, the exercise video industry exploded. The 1980s absolutely set the stage for modern gyms and fitness trends, especially for women.
1: But all these exercise trends have kind of backfired a little for women, haven't they?
0: Well, yes... Once the stigma of not being ladylike was removed from exercise, women then became pressured to constantly work on their bodies and try to capture physical perfection that cannot be achieved. Even Jane Fonda, in more recent years, has admitted she went through extremes to create and maintain the body she made famous. Sadly, a lot of fitness trends over the last few decades have proven detrimental to women's physical and mental health, Rather than as a way to support it. Instead of encouraging fitness, women are sent into a spiral of always feeling lesser than when they attend gyms and exercise classes.
1: So, ladies, take care of yourself, stay healthy, but be you. Well, thank you so much, Julie, for talking with us about the history of women, exercise, and gyms.
0: Oh, thanks for having me. I love talking about stuff like this, I lived through a lot of it. <laughs> I did jazzercise in high
1: school. Well, you were amazing. Thank you, too, for adding your own stories and facts to the show. You made this Mad Facts even better. And hey, thank you guys for listening. Get ready for new episodes of Madison on the Air to premiere the first of every month. Bye! Let's get physical, physical.